Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Porti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed, so let's begin. Jan Smith is a nationally recognized singer, songwriter, and musician, and she's a Grammy-nominated producer, Georgia Music Hall of Fame inductee, and multi-platinum certified vocal coach and producer who has vocally trained distinctive voices in the industry. She's the owner of Jan Smith Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, a state-of-the-art vocal coaching facility, but she offers services nationwide to record companies, artists, producers, and motion pictures. And during this time of quarantine, my mom and I had the pleasure of chit-chatting with Jan. Um, My mom is an elementary school music teacher, vocally trained herself, and I thought it would be a treat for mom to join this interview and we had a blast. Um, the main thing that that you can see through Jan's life is she loves what she does. She loves the talent and skill that God has put her on this earth to do, sing, and to vocally train artists. And he has taken her from level to level to level to work with some of the hottest artists like Usher, Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20, Shania Twain, Justin Bieber, The Band Perry, Jill Scott, India R.E., David Crowder, Sugarland Drake, Nicki Minaj, Florida Georgia Line, Jesus Culture, and she's worked with Tyler Perry Productions, Warner Brother Pictures, Universal Pictures, Paramount, Disney, New Line Cinema, Fox Television, as well as uh, has worked with winning actors like Liam Neeson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Christina Applegate, Jimmy Chung, Terrence Howard, Christian Serratos, and White House correspondent John Roberts. Wow, that was a mouthful. And while she has had the pleasure of using her skills and talents to serve this generation that God has put her in, it is it is her love of Jesus and the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel message that excites her the most. And that's why I was really drawn to talk to Jan because she she's quite amazing and God has taken her from higher level to higher level to higher level because she has obeyed the call that's on her life and she's moving and shaking in her lane. Um, She attends Passion City Church in the Atlanta area and her ministry with the worship singers for the North Point Community Churches in Alfreda, Georgia has enabled her to be a blessing into the worship music space and she does tailored vocal workshops directed towards the specific needs of contemporary singers, Christian and gospel artists, and worship leaders in the church and beyond. So, I mean, buckle up, sit tight. She she says what's on her heart, and she's a to-the-point direct, but her heart and her actions and her motives are dripping in, in the love of Christ. So um, enjoy this interview. I think you're going to be blessed and amazed. Thank you so much, Jan, for joining the podcast today, and uh, it's an honor to speak to you. So 
the first question, can you talk a little bit about your journey into music? Uh, well, that started early on. Um, I, I came into the world. If you talk to my mother, she'll tell you that, that I was making up songs and singing from the time I, I was old enough to make sounds and sing, uh, making up little melodies. I was born basically hearing in color. And so harmonies and things like that were very natural to me and sound very clearly was going to be my medium as a child. Um, I used to harmonize with my mother's old Hoover vacuum cleaner because of the drone of that. I could, you know, harmonize and change the notes. So that was just always my, my frame of reference from being a little girl growing up in Southern Baptist churches. I was exposed to choirs and choruses early on. And then from there, going to a little uh, summer camp, the camp counselors played ukuleles and I came home obsessed. And so I was gifted a ukulele for my ninth birthday. And that began the process of me realizing that I could make things up, write songs, create chord patterns and things of that nature, which led me into then playing guitar and then recording. I cut my first record when I was 15. That was then, not now, you know. Um, and then continued to play in uh, my uh, being a post Woodstock era child and teenager rock and roll music in the South was uh, kind of my ilk. And so I played in rock and roll bands. And then from there, just uh, continued, continued on pursuing music. Most of my life, I was classically trained on flute. Um, I play about 15 other instruments at this point, just by ear, but uh, guitar, playing guitar and understanding theory from a choral and also from the flute perspective really gave me the basis of the classic that I needed and the exposure in band and orchestras and so that mishmash of those two things in my own career kind of put all that together for me. Wow that's inspiring and then how did that lead you to wanting to become a vocal coach because God has really blessed you to work with some of the most inspiring talent. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it ins that I was inspired to become a vocal coach. It was. It was really never my by my design. I have to say that God. That was God's. Uh, just His hand in my life and and what He had for me to do because He honed my skill set as an artist all that time and then allowed me the opportunity to begin to help others. I never really thought that I was going to be Jan Smith, Mama Jan, any of that stuff. It was always about, um, honestly, it, it was always about just doing music and creating music and being creative with other people that led me into that. So okay. that's, that's really the truth. Okay. It's a step-by-step -step journey, I guess, that mm -hmm. the Lord revealed over time. Okay. So no my... My mom is an elementary school, school music teacher, and she studied music um, in mm -hmm. university, and her instrument was voice. So mm -hmm. um, she has a, a chorus uh, at her elementary school, and she's been doing mm -hmm. this for 30-plus years. So she's going to start off with the third question. Okay, okay. Okay. I wanted to ask you, who in music was a major influence for you to pursue the path that you're on? The first answer to that would probably be my parents, my mom and my dad, because they were always participating in uh, church choirs. And so we were exposed to that as children. My dad, interestingly enough, uh, 
used to be what they would call a, a he, he led the singing at, at a small at a small Baptist church before they really had ministers of music, people who were actually trained and degreed to do that. You know, they had members of the congregation who just were willing to pick up and lead the singing. So my father um, was that was that that singer and that leader. And as a little itty bitty girl. Uh, dancing in the pews with my little black patent shoes on, you know, that was the first influence that I could, I could say just in terms of watching someone lead and um, being, you know, there to, to help other singers. At, at that point, you know, going through the school system and growing up um, under the tutelage of, of great music teachers, I had a, a really special teacher when I was in the seventh, eighth grade in junior high school, Suzanne Shaw, who is still a friend of mine uh, to this day who really saw in me the gift to be able to, um, to be that artist and, and to write my own songs and, and also recognized my, my ear and the natural gifting there. But she really helped me to kind of get on a path instead of being destructive because I was different, but being uh, constructive because I was different and stewarding my gifts. And then uh, moving on uh, through through college, I had a, a great music teacher there, Dr. Lucy Underwood, and um, just great tutelage under those people um, who helped to give me the basis and the underpinning for how I could then help other people and put my own vernacular to the process of adding classical, the classical bent and the information that I had, but then meeting people where they were but it was really the education of being an artist all of those years playing in clubs, playing, you know, performances uh, in arenas and, and working on the road and in the studio that actually taught me the skill set that I needed to be able to meet my artists now where they are. Okay. Well, good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, it seems that your ministry and vocation seem to be intertwined. Uh, do you ever take, your work, your faith into your work when you're working with artists, how, how are you shining the light of Christ it, around the, the artist? Cause, and I ask because I'm a fashion journalist, so I sit front row at Paris mm -hmm. Fashion Week, but I know that God has intertwined my vocation and my ministry. And there's mm -hmm. moments people come up to me and say, there's something different about you you've got a light, you've got a glow. And I know that that's Jesus beaming off of me. And I try to find creative ways to bring Jesus into the fashion world. And I'm, I'm curious to know, how do you bring your ministry into your vocation? Um, I actually, I don't, I don't think of it as one or the other, but one and the same. And, and that's the first thing is, um, you know, my, my own fall from grace, my story is, is public knowledge and, and one of adultery. And so, um, you know, my artists know very much the reality of my life and, and they've also seen the change in my life, hopefully. And, and the way that that shines through is just in, in the way that I deal with them, because I'm very clear that the work that I do is not about me. It's through me that God does what he does. And to be able to walk my walk, if you will, uh, to be salt and light in a, in a industry that is not really known for that uh, is, is not always an easy thing. And yet God very clearly has separated me out to be able to be that light on the hill. And I, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. I think that there's a, 
a stewardship that he's called me to, to do and, and continues to humble my life in ways so that I understand the levity of that when I'm sitting in my office with an artist who's a stripper and, um, you know, who, who is hungry and needs to know more uh, of the spiritual depth of who she is and what she's trying to do with her life. God allows me to really speak into the lives of my artists, my artists that are on the road touring and have all kinds of pressures put on them for uh, worldly things. And they ask me those questions. I am positioned in a unique place to be able to speak into those moments in a way that nobody else is. And also uh, someone that God has positioned so that these people can trust what I'm saying to them and, and, and really, you know, uh, allowing me to speak into their lives. So I, I think that it, it's just being available for those opportune moments and recognizing the levity of that and paying attention. I've had to learn to really go, oh, okay, wow, this is one of those moments that God is saying, hey, I'm using you here, pay attention and make sure that you're really speaking to this, this moment. Wow. And so you don't have a fear when when the lord says you need to speak directly or use the name of jesus you just go in for it not anymore i think that there was you know, there was a time in my life when uh i was a little bit more he hesitant or you know to, to really just kind of uh be honest in it but no not anymore i i i really kind of don't care uh and and i'm old enough now to where i can just kind of say you know whatever whatever but I also have really grown in my own faith to trust that God has me in it, that God's got my back, that there, there are sometimes when I've, um, you know, probably not gotten the deal or not gotten uh, to, to do a particular thing because of my faith. And it's like knowing that God's going to open other doors or that he's got me no matter what, as long as I'm obedient. And that's really the key. As long as I'm obedient, um, to him and am speaking truth to what I know him to be in my life. That is what I'm called to do. The rest of it is the rest of it. Yeah. Wow. That's quite powerful. Okay, mom. Um, off to yes. you. I just want to just quickly elaborate um, as to what Jan just said that, you know, I teach kindergarten through fifth grade and I have this year over 800 students. And, um, you know, when I, before I get out of my car in the morning, I always pray and ask the Lord to give me the wisdom and to know how to handle the situations. And, uh, and it's, it's so important because um, I can't do what I'm able to do without his guidance and his help. So it's wonderful to hear that you take a bold stand to um, always make sure that God got you and he's in control of what you do so i applaud you for that mm -hmm. thank you thank you um i'm a big fan of gloria stefan and um i've done a lesson with my students um with the song that was written by diane warren the song that she performed at the 96 olympics in atlanta reach and i just want to know where the olympics um were in Atlanta during that year. Did you work with Diane Warner? Did you work with the Olympic Committee with music and you know things relating to the music performance and so forth? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I know Diane. Um, uh, I did not work with her during the Olympics. I, I met her 
uh, later than that, actually, when I was um, um, working with Justin Bieber on the first tour, Never Say Never tour, uh, and Diane uh, is very famous <laughs> for, for really going after those artists in those situations where she wants to place one of her songs or she wants to get a cut. And she's relentless. At, she's crazy, but she's also relentless at really pursuing. So I respect her for that. Uh, but Diane, um, I met her in, in L.A., and she was very, very pursuant of, of wanting to get a cut on Justin Bieber at that time. So uh, she came to me with the song and she said, hey, you know, I know that you're inside the camp. Uh, if you if you can get this through to them, I believe this song is perfect for Justin Bieber. She said, if you'll if you'll get it through, um, I'll give you production on it and let you produce the song. Well, that was attractive to me because uh, as the industry has it. I'm known as, you know, Mama Jan, the vocal coach, but I also uh, am a producer and have produced most of my life. And so it was, I uh, jumped on that opportunity because I, who wouldn't want to cut a song on a major artist on a Diane Warren song. So I, I spoke with Scooter and I spoke with um, the team at Paramount and they really loved the song. It was, it was called never, uh, let's see, never say never is the movie uh, born to be somebody which uh, I ended up producing on Justin and, and it was the end rollout credit theme song. It was the only song on in the entire movie uh, that was not a part of his album, but they released it as a special release because it was in the movie. And it was kind of the, the keystone song uh, about the whole movie born to be somebody was kind of what never say never is about. So that's how I met Diane, and that was also the song that garnered me a Grammy nomination for uh, Best Song for Visual Media, and the production credits were, uh, were mine. So that was a uh, pretty, pretty pivotal uh, Diane Warren moment in my life. Um, as far as the Olympics are concerned, um, I did a commercial that I wrote for Coca-Cola. It was a, more of a Southern kind of grind. It had a slide guitar player, my, my slide guitar player, and it was played uh, in the Olympic arena. I also worked for the, uh, uh, they had different places set up for the headquarters of, uh, of the different countries and myself and my keyboard player were the entertainment, uh, each evening for the beer gardens for the German delegation. So, uh, uh I did work for the Olympics that way. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. And now my next question for you, is uh, what type of training did you receive to become a vocal coach? And um, then my second question um, along with that is, who did you uh, receive your training from? And I've heard of vocal coaches, but I, you know, would like to know a little bit more about what it takes to become a vocal coach. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, my formal degree is in psychology. Um, I, I, I graduated from college in 1978. Um, and, um, you know, my father was very, uh, very much an activist on education. He wanted to make sure that all of his children had the opportunity to go to college. And so uh, daddy said, you're going to school. I wanted to play in rock and roll bands. So I, I was not very big on uh, pursuing a career in music. And I also um, honestly, I mean, I was classically trained on flute, like I said, and I played violin and played some other instruments in, in uh, bands and orchestras, but um, I really was never uh, intent on becoming a vocal coach. My bent was to be that artist. I was always in pursuit of performing, writing, recording, and, and that was really my ilk at that point. 
And I continued to do that and also with my own band toured uh, the, the, the southeastern states and, and did pretty well, uh, cut six albums and two EPs under my name. And um, that was really my pursuit. I really didn't understand that God was honing my skill set to be, like I said, that vocal coach. So I would give all the credit of my classical um, background to those teachers and those mentors that I had in Allstate and chorus and choir and uh, in band and symphony. So the classical part of me came with that. But my my real education, honestly, has been the fact that I was an artist in those situations, learning, uh, honing my skill set, being in the studios, doing background vocals, writing commercial jingles, uh, working with producers, being a producer, um, understanding how to book a band, playing clubs, understanding gear, being in the studio and learning the vernacular and all of that combined with the classical information is really what has has become Jan Smith's handprint, the whole Mama Jan thing. Uh, if If there's any uniqueness to that, it's about again, being able to meet people where they are. So there is no quote unquote certification, education, et cetera, for um, me having become a vocal coach, other than the fact that God really had his hand on the process and honed my skill set by combining what I knew from an educational background with a real life education and making that the vernacular that I, that I speak to artists. It's worked pretty well. I've been in music in, in the business for 33 years and, um, we've been able to not only grow and expand, but even in times of recession, um, artists invest in themselves. And so we've been very blessed with uh, seeing about 200 people a week. I've got uh, eight other vocal coaches, all of whom have been clients of mine and people who have studied under me. And then I've got um, three producers in the back along with myself and we produce records also on a regular basis. Okay, wow. It sounds like you just have an amazing career. And um, it was just wonderful. Um, and I appreciate Ali giving me the opportunity to come in and uh, sit here and on um, the interview with you. And, um, and just thank you so much because I'm learning a lot from, from you as yes, well. Thank you so much. I've got one lasting wrap up question. Um, okay. It's maybe two questions in one. You have vocally trained country music artist, hip hop artist, I, I assume pop artist as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What genre is maybe the, the most challenging to coach? And then mm -hmm. I, how do you coach a rap artist, <laughs> a hip hop mm -hmm. artist? Yeah, I'm just curious with all the different genres. Sure. So uh, the, I guess the first thing is there's no real genre that feels difficult to me. It's, it's always kind of a cool challenge to be able to, you know, work with the, the, and it's also create, it keep, I'm kind of ADD. So it keeps my creative energy flowing to work with different kinds of artists. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, for rap, for example, um, rap artists are using the same two vocal cords that anybody else does. Um, and, and it's just the, the, um, the way that they do it wears their voices out a lot quicker. I, I think that if there's a challenge for any of the genres, it's really about helping people um, to be empowered by the knowledge of what they possess. You know, artists by and large do what they do, and that includes worship singers, you know, uh, that they, they do what they do because they love it, not because they know what they're doing. Uh, 
and helping people have the information to go with the process of the creativity allows them to be more powerful in it. I always say that knowledge is power and the application of that makes someone more successful. Um, you know, I've got artists that don't even know they have two vocal cords or that they're over the windpipe or, you know, they think if they drink all this stuff, it's going to go through their vocal cords. And I was like, no, it takes 25 minutes to five hours for a sip of water to rehydrate your voice. So you taking a sip of water before you walk out on the stage or into a booth doesn't help you at all until you're halfway done. Mm -hmm. So helping people know things like that and begin to go, oh, okay, so if I smoke dope, that means that it's going to pass through my vocal cords and hurt my lungs. Oh, okay wow no wonder my voice gets dry before I, so just giving people in and and dealing with the artists that are in the world mm -hmm. um not judging them for their choices in their lifestyles but really being able to say hey i love you and i want to give you some information that's going to help you is the other way that i think god allows me to speak into their lives so that you know i contend with a lot of all kinds of things um, in my artist. But when I begin to see them make better choices because of that influence and they get, they start feeling better. They have, they eat, they're eating better. They're starting to exercise. They stop smoking a little bit. They stop drinking a little and, and it's so great. So it's not really a genre that's difficult. It's battling the difficulty of the world that's around my artist mm -hmm. more than anything else. Um, and, and I love the challenge that if there's a, a different style that somebody's coming in with, or they mesh two different kinds of genres, that it's my job to really kind of recreate me in it so that I can be helpful to them and make them, uh, make them to aspire for excellence. And that's really kind of what I'm looking for in all of it. I, I don't, I don't really care about the genre as much as I care about watching them excel in it. And the only thing that we don't do is uh, we don't do any, any purist classical or opera. Uh, and the reason why is not because I don't understand that. And, and several of my staff are trained in that in oratoria and pedagogy, but we choose not to do that because of the masters who are purists in those forms. We feel like if somebody really is looking for that, we would rather than go to the people who are, who are purist in it mm. because we're not. And, um, and, and so we do anything that's non-classical, anything that's non-opera or pedagogical. Interesting. Um, and then the second part to this question is I've noticed, mm -hmm. and you've worked with one of these two artists I'm about to mention, Kanye West and Justin Bieber have been very mm -hmm. open about their faith and about mm -hmm. Jesus. And what do you, what impact do you think that will have on this worldly music industry where God is getting a hold mm. of these men and men, I mean, it's, yes, we mm -hmm. women need God to get a hold of us too, but men are leaders in the heads of their home. And what mm -hmm. impact do you think that's going to have? Because I'm sure other male secular artists are looking at them. And they're mm -hmm. probably like, okay, I noticed Justin's different. I noticed Kanye's different. Mm -hmm. God Indeed. is obviously doing something. Uh, uh, God is always doing something, but you know, I, I, I am more excited about that than anything that that we are we are seeing um, artists who have been gifted and and who are tremendously successful with a great amount of influence um, be humbled and in the process. Um, the, the Bible basically talks about that. 
-hmm. So that that's the fulfillment of scripture as far as I'm concerned. And it just is. People don't think about that in terms of the world or our industry or whatever, but I, I see that very clearly as a fulfillment of the scripture. Um, I'm very excited about that. I prayed with Justin Bieber. And so I, you know, from the time that I met him in December of 2009, when he was, uh, I think, 11 or 12 years old until now. Um, and he shouted me out just the other day and, and I communicate with him on a regular basis. These people are precious to me and I love them, but I also care about their souls. I care past what this industry is about. I care past the world um, because God has also, you know, sought me out and humbled my life in a very real way. So for them to be able to have that platform, it's incredibly important because of the influence you're talking about because of technology and communication and fame and stardom an immense amount of influence over people everywhere in the world. The Bible talks about it. That says that, you know, God's word is going to, it's going to go out to every corner of the earth. So being able to be part of that and play whatever minuscule role that I have, it is important to be a cog in that wheel so that that message does get out and that we recognize that there's something much bigger than who we are or our fame and fortune, any of that kind of stuff, it all comes from God anyway. And returning that, returning that praise and making sure that uh, I am a grounding source and I am one who will speak authentically and truth into those lives matters more to me than anything else that I do. Well, praise God for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jan, for your time to sit down My with pleasure. Mom and I today. <laughs> it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, right back at you. I, I, and, and I, I pray that God continues to bless the work of your hands as you've been out in the world. And, and thank you for that. Uh, it's amazing. Um, and fashion is very similar to, you know, the world that I'm in. Obviously, you see a lot. You're, and you are a light and you're a vessel. And to your mother, who I can't see, but I know she's hearing me. Um, you know, when you think about going in and working with those precious young people, our, our children, um, kids, I call them my kids, they're grownups, but I'm seeing more and more people who did not have the, the underpinning uh, of, of my Christian home and my, both of my parents being in the home. And I mean, there's so many things that, that people are seeking and we never know the influence that we have on mm -hmm. them until later, really. Mm -hmm. You may never know uh, that, that you being that light in, in a six-year-old or an eight-year-old's life uh, that it would lead them in, in the path that God has for them the same way that, you know, the people who were mentors to me didn't know until now what God was doing. So God's working all the time. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I call my children like you. I always tell them that they will forever be my children. And um, I tell people I'm who I am today because of the training that I received from my mother. Um, yeah. And you know, my dad died when I was 11 and uh, mom always made, she always stressed us, you know, you always include God in everything. Don't depend on him some of the time, you depend on him all of the time. And yeah. she said, as long as you keep him in the forefront and keep him in charge, you will go far. Yeah. 
And it's lovely to see your face. Thank you for that. Uh, it's lovely to see your smile. Um, I will tell you this, that I am, um, my mother uh, is 91 years old. I'm in her home right now because my mother had a stroke on the 17th of March. And uh, so we, we were kind of thrown into a whole other crisis mode before everything else shut down. But even in that, you know, God has, Look, look at what God did. And I, God didn't do this just for me, mind you, but he did do it for me. He provided all of this time for me to be right here with my mother and to care for her. And she has made a, a, an ama my mother's amazing anyway. <laughs> She's kind of nuts. Amazing. Uh, my mother walks with God all day, every day. She and that. You know what your mother just said um, about her mother. Mm -hmm. That is what really brought me back around to my faith and to, and to be able to have that stronghold because I, I, you know, made choices far away from where God would have my path be. And yet those choices are exactly the directional path that brought me back to him. Um, but that underpinning from my mother and who she is today in it mm. is just like cinched in me. It's, um, it's amazing how that, um, that matters so much, matters so much. Yeah. You got a good mother, girl. You got yes, a good I'm blessed <laughs> and, and father too, that they both raised me in the admonition of the Lord. And I think we're yeah. also blessed coming from the American South, where mm -hmm. sadly a lot of Southerners are getting away from the Lord. I hope Corona will bring them back to the Lord, but Mm -hmm. that that bible belt there's something special about it and i remember when i was sitting mm -hmm. down with lenko do you know the country music band lenko mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i was saying why do you think it is because my friend who works at the o2 arena where they have this big country music festival in london yeah he's from texas but he says we love working with the country music artists way more than the hip-hop artists so i asked yeah them, oh yeah lenko why do you think that is that country music artists are better to work with than hip hop American artists or rock artists. And quite simply, he said, it's because we're coming from the Bible belt. Fame comes to country music artists a little bit later than hip hop mm -hmm. pop artists. Mm -hmm. And our values are a little bit different. So sure. coming out yeah. of the American South, it does make a difference. I think even if you weren't raised in church, um, the values and mindsets are different. So. Well, I think, I think that there is, uh, there's, I always tell people, you know, um, I can do what I do anywhere in the world. I chose to keep my home in the South for, all, for a reason. Um, and, and I do believe that there's a, it, it's, you know, there's a, um, a sense of, of appreciation. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a sense of hospitality. There is a sense of humility and, and, uh, a, a salt of the earthness, if you will. Yeah. that that kind of comes along with it and and you know people in the south we've struggled we've struggled with our own you know we've had our own civil issues we've had we've had a, a lot of things where people have struggled and 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 done so together and and things that are happening right now not just in the south but i i believe i believe that god is in all of this corona business mm -hmm. uh, surely he is but in an mm -hmm. effort to you know make us sit still and kind of go hold on a second, what's really happening? What's really important? Mm -hmm. And what's really important is, is food and water and air and taking care of the earth and taking care of each other, which is what we are created to do. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do believe that we're seeing 
a resurgence of that humility and care. And, and we're also seeing the negative parts of that people who are prideful and self-righteous and who are going to, I'm going to do this anyway, you know, that kind of, you, you see that too. But, um, I do believe that there's a resurgence of what you just said and and that's of people being drawn closer and kind of recognizing, Hey, maybe I haven't been paying attention to God and all of this and maybe I need to. Yeah, indeed. God. All right. Awesome. Okay. God bless Thank you, you and your mom. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at ZaylaMag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine, S-E-E-L-E Magazine. Till next time.